This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you're having a great week. We're going to get right to it. So I'm interviewing today a guy named Trey Hostetler. He lives in Missouri. He's originally from Arkansas. I keep getting these southern guys on here. What they, they talk slower than I do. And uh, I love it, man. This guy is 24 years young. And he's just the perfect example of a guy wanting to come out west and elk hunt. He's been dreaming about it. And we just kind of go through his last two seasons of just making it happen. Him coming out here and getting his teeth kicked in, the school of hard knocks, the straight up learning curve. He also crushes the learning curve year two. He draws a general Wyoming tag and gets it done in four days. Now, I just love listening to the way that Trey tells his story of coming out west and all the intimidation and all the things he didn't know, all the things he thought he knew, all the things he tried to figure out. I just think it's great to hear this from a perspective where maybe you're a veteran elk hunter. You need to go back and listen to what it was like. You got to remember that how hard it is. And then for those that have never elk hunted, you got to hear that, hey man, this kid did it. I can do it too. And then you intermediate guys out there can maybe laugh at some of his mistakes but also realize that you know he had some success pretty early on he did some things he you know success leaves behind clues he's just a great dude his wife hunts he's blue collar roofer commercial and just what a great guy to have on and i i think he's just scratching the surface he's going to be a successful year after year elk hunter he kills a great bull in wyoming 
and I just like hearing about his adventures. He's also got the video. It's in the show notes um, for his YouTube channel. Check it out. This is Trey Hostetler, and I just really enjoyed getting to know him, and he's super down to earth, and I know there's a lot more young guys out there. I want to inspire them, that they have them come out and do what he did. If Trey can do it, so can you. Elk Shape business-wise, we had some folks do some iTunes reviews, those five-star. So if you did that, go ahead and direct message me. I'd say from November 15th, 2019 on. If you posted one, send me a direct message on Instagram, and I will basically pull five names out of the hat, and I will, I'm going to send you guys some Elk Shape swag in the mail. So if you, you know if you listen and you did that, just send me a message uh, with your t-shirt size and your address, and I'll pick five of you, and I'll get you hooked up and get those shipped out ASAP. Thank you. And if you want to give us a five-star review, do that on iTunes. I guess it helps us out. I guess it's important. I don't know. But uh, if you do, I really appreciate it. Uh, Elk Shape Camp 3.0 Spokane. That's going to be one of our best camps because we got Joel Turner coming. He wears two hats. He does the shot IQ stuff, which is controlled shooting and gets rid of that target panic, sets you up for success with a controlled mantra and just know how to to fight the urge to punch that trigger. And he also is a world-class elk caller. I think he sounds better than real elk. No joke. The dude's amazing. He's coming. We got Lampers, who just continues to crush big mule deer, but he's a great elk hunter and great in the backcountry, probably the best in the backcountry. He'll be there. So Spokane's got a few spots left. Get registered if you want to use the discount code FLASH. That's F-L-A-S-H, all caps, 100 bucks off, registration. Do that expires November 30th. And we have five other camps after that that we're doing, and registration is almost open for all of them. So you can check those out at elkshape.com. I appreciate you guys listening. You know you got a lot of choices out there. We try to keep it real. We try to keep it honest. We try to keep it for blue-collar public land elk hunters, who love elk hunting, and they love what elk hunting can do for them the rest of the year. Let's dive in with Trey. Have a great week, y'all. Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, and somebody I don't know very well yet, but I think he's an East Coast guy, I think, and he's definitely had some success elk hunting out west, public land, do-it-yourself styled. This is Trey Hostetler, and I think his handle is Lift Run hunt on instagram is that right that's correct did you steal that from somebody uh no i did okay. not just check it what's up man how are you hey i'm awesome i'm excited to get to hear from you i've been uh, following you for a long time so tell me about trey hostetler like what's he all about what are you up to man well i i grew up in arkansas so i'm a southern kid I'm just a kid, by the way. I'm just 24 years old, so I oh, feel... <laughs> are you the youngest guest we've ever had on here? Probably. Maybe. Right on. Maybe. <laughs> so anyway, uh, grew up in Arkansas, and uh, you know I've hunted since I was 10 years old. I shot my first whitetail. Of course, whitetail's obviously the biggest hunting hunting in these, you know, out east. So anyway, shot my first whitetail when I was 10 years old, and I could go into you know, a long story about all that, how all that went down. But long story short, I met my wife and got married when I was 21 years old, moved north to Missouri. And that's kind of when I got into elk hunting, I would say. And uh, long story short, she had a uh, 
first cousin that uh, got to know really well, and he'd been into elk hunting for three years at that point already. And uh, talking to him, you know, it kind of got the fire going, and what's elk hunting all about? And he'd tell me his stories, and and of course, so this'd be this would be 2016. Uh, I got married in April kind of got to know him you know during the summer after we got married so fall 2016 kind of when I you know I kept track of all his plans and you know what really stuck out to me was man like this is a year-round thing like this isn't like whitetail hunting this is a big deal you know and that was very attractive to me as far as you know I I, I didn't grow up playing sports none of that stuff and uh i just i was looking for I, I would say maybe a purpose in life but just you know something to be into really you know and uh i almost you know bit the bullet and bought a tag and went out but i thought you know hey this is it's fall you know elk season's coming up and i'll just i'll just wait another year you know is what i told myself so anyway he goes out and of course he He's successful in the first week in Colorado, and I'm just like, man, I should have went elk cutting. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, anyway, so that, you know, of course, you followed Land of the Free, I'm sure, and and uh, that whole series came out on YouTube, and that was really the first, I would say, hunting show, if you want to call it that, that I really ever watched on YouTube. And, man, those guys just have a way of making you believe that, just buy a tag and go do it so that uh kind of took me over the hump and i made up my mind i can just remember thinking you know telling people at christmas at family christmas like hey i'm going elk hunting next year and everybody was just like yeah whatever you know and we'll see about that so fast forward 2017 and so fall 2018 is when i bought my first tag so fall 2018 bought my first tag I went off the deep end, you know, on January, I bought Tell a, me oh. about the deep end, Trey, because there's, <laughs> you're like northern, you say northern Missouri? Uh, south central Missouri, really. Okay, man, this. there's no mountains right there. No, it isn't. it's intimidating, and I want well, more guys who live east of the Mississippi to come do this thing, because it is yeah. life-changing, and I do believe it gives you purpose. I really do. But tell us about January 2018, how you dove off the deep end. Well, so so getting into, you know, obviously the Land of the Free Project, I watched every video. Me and my wife would sit down at night. We No TV, just that's what we would watch. And, man, it was just awesome. And I kind of got into the podcast deal. You know, Corey Jacobson got a hold of his podcast and Randy Newberg, you know, just everything, you know, just anything I could get my hands on I was all over it every day just listening learning and so first off you know I I think at the time I owned like a Ross bow like from Bass Pro I bought it used from a guy that worked at Bass Pro and I just knew that you know that that bow was not going to cut it for shooting a giant bodied animal like an elk so sorry Andy uh, Ross if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) you know who that is he's the guy behind that all right so anyway i went bought me an rx1 uh i thought you know that's the best bow available at the time and bought the bow uh obviously tried to shoot as much as i could 
I think it was March, right before shed season, actually, I thought, man, I need a pack. So I went and bought me a pack in March. What'd you get? And I got the XO, what is it, the 35, 38? 3,500, yeah. 3,500, yeah. So that's what I got. And we actually went on our first shed hunting trip. Uh, let's see, it was north of Albuquerque. Turns out we had, a, I worked for a commercial roofing company and we, we hop around jobs, you know, different areas. And turns out we had a job in Amarillo, Texas. What the heck? I had my pack. It was April. I knew about shed hunting. Let's just hop on over to New Mexico and do a weekend shed hunt. And my wife was all about it. She was all in. So we went and shed hunted. She actually found the first shed on the trip. I remember just, you know, we had uh, radios, talk, you know, just cheap radios from Walmart. And she comes on the radio like, I found one. I found one. And I just remember like getting chills just like it was, you know, it was almost like he shot an elk. It was just awesome. <laughs> and so I just knew from that moment on, like this, yes, I am definitely going to go elk hunting. And uh, it's just funny how, you know, I really can't explain like how I exactly knew this is something I wanted to do. It just kind of happened naturally and I just went with it. So anyway, we did the shed hunt by the over-the-counter Colorado archery tag Dude, I was just super, super greenhorn. Like, I tried to e-scout. I did e-scout, but I would hardly count, call it e-scouting just because, <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I don't even know what is topo. Like, what are you even talking about? So, you know, I'm just learning these things. I get on X, you know, and I try to scout areas, and I drop a pin, you know, hey, I want to check this area out. And I think just spending so much time on my computer – researching and doing that stuff it kind of gave me a false sense of confidence like okay i'm gonna go do this dude when we got out there it was just like what are we doing it's just overwhelming like you you look at stuff on a computer and it is not the same as once you're out there it's just just a different ball game so that's a fact and i tell you right now buddy i'm pretty decent at e-scouting not like uh toot my own horn but toot toot i know how to read a topo I know exactly where to look for glassing points and where elk are going to bed. How am I yeah. going to get in there? How am I going to get out? And I kind of can plan a whole day on a topo, not even Google yeah. Earth. But yeah. you can Google Earth all you want. And when you get there, it still doesn't matter. Case in point, last week, I just went to the Dakotas. That shit's flat. And I was studying <laughs> maps and tilting Google Earth and flying over and I had this, I mean, we spent 556 miles in the first two days driving, just trying to figure out mark off places and stuff. And it just didn't look the same. It never will. So let's mm -hmm. just get that out of the way right now for all y'all listening. You can e-scout till you're dead and it's good. It's so good yeah. to kind of create your plans, but it's not going to show you what it's really, really like when you get there. So be prepared mm -hmm. for that. So you get there. And it's a game changer. All right. I got to pause you. So you're on the computer. You picked up a new Hoyt, um, some probably $1,600 carbon bow. Uh, yeah. You got yourself in a $700 pack. Have you picked up boots at this point yet? I have not. I'm wearing the fat tire uh, with the BOA system on it. 
Under Armour fat tire shoes. That's what I was going to go with. That's what my buddy used. And I was like, hey, if it works for him, it'll work for me. And that's what I had. What'd you do for clothing and layering systems and, and just gear? Gear us out, oh. man, because you're coming oh, out man. west. <laughs> so I went on first slide. I I got the merino top shirt because I thought I needed good camo. So I got the shirt. I got the chama hoodie and then the puffy, which was a tip from a from my buddy. Like, you got to have a puffy. It's a good tip. So I got the puffy and then I got the got the pants and that I would like just like to say this year I killed a bull with pants I bought at Walmart dude so you do not need the expensive pants and they ripped a hole like in the first week and I was super disappointed with that so in the crotch oh no I just jumping over deadfall you know I was gonna say crotch tear deadfall that's usually what happens with most pants dude when if you'd hunt with me I, I bust brush I walk through the thickest crap you know and if you're wearing $120 pants, it's just almost a liability at that point. So Word. this year, this year I was just like, screw it, man. I'm I'm wearing Walmart pants, $20 pants, and and so <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. As long as you got a tag in your pocket. So okay, are you setting yourself up to do like backpack style hunting, or are you gonna do some hunts from the truck, maybe base camp? What were you guys thinking? And are you going with your cousin? So are you leaning on him to kind of mentor you? What's going on at this point in the spring after your okay. shed hunt? Okay, so what's going on this point in the spring? I am planning my hunt to go. So my brother, he's big into making videos. He's into photography. He, he loves, he geeks out about that stuff. So he's like, man, I'll film it. And so I'm like, dude, awesome. So it's going to be him uh, and my wife. So just the three of us and uh, my buddy, he's got, you know, he's got his area and I just, I, you know, you know how it is. You don't go into your buddy's area. Well, I would like to say, you know, I, from the get go, I wanted to go do this myself. Like I wanted that feeling of accomplishment. Like, dude, I did this myself. And so the plan was go out, hunt from the truck. I wasn't going to backpack in, hop around, be mobile. That's what I wanted to do, and that's what we did. So when we got out there, I had my number one spot picked. Of course, I went through the Randy Newberg, how to scout, you know, all his whole deal, and I knew I needed more than one spot. And when we got out there, dude, that trailhead was packed. I I remember seeing, like, horse trailers, vehicles. I was just like, dude, I am not hunting here. This is way overwhelming. And so we ended up, you know – just from the get-go, my plans were all screwed and just literally just driving down a dirt road and, hey, here's a camp spot. Let's camp here. Boom, we're going elk hunting. <laughs> and so so that's one piece of advice I would have maybe for somebody. Like just plan on not having a plan and then plan on figuring that out. Yeah, that's great advice. I couldn't agree more. It's always changing even when you go into your old haunts, man. Like this year for me, man, I had to I had to pivot due to just massive. Everybody watched Land of the Free and lives uh, east of the Mississippi, and they're like, "Hey, I want to elk hunt," and they all came out to Idaho, <laughs> and maybe uh. some of them know what they're doing, but a lot of them don't. And you just got to pivot, man. Especially public land, it's competitive, and it should bring out the best in those that like competition. So, um, all right, so you guys got. We're going to have to get through the summer, too, before we get to your, your actual hunts. But, like, 
training wise? Like you don't live at elevation. In what state were you planning on going to? Colorado. Okay, Colorado's kind of high, and oh elevation like usually start your hunt at ninety five and go up from there. And I actually killed my elk in Wyoming at ten. And I felt the effects of altitude. I live at 2,000 feet. I felt it like day three got the classic middle of the night dull headache. And I was like, and I was like, oh, I know what this is. Just chugged a bunch of water, took some ibuprofen. And then that morning I was just nauseous. I could barely drink coffee, didn't eat breakfast, but I wasn't going to not hunt opening day. Right. And uh, just powered through and kind of felt better as the day went on. But what did you do, man, to prepare as best as you can? I know the one thing you can't do is just show up overweight and deconditioned and expect to hunt at high altitude. Ain't going to happen. That's right. So I kind of a perfect storm how I got into fitness. I got into fitness. Growing up, I never worked out. You know, Jim, what's that? You know, and I got into fitness when I was, I think it was a year after I got married. So 22 years old and I'm 24 now so just a couple of years ago I got really got into fitness I just you know lifted weights I greenhorn I didn't really know what workout should I do I knew I needed to be in shape that was the main thing so I lifted you know just the normal chest legs I did everything and running was big for me I felt like man if I can just run a lot I think I'll be fine and leading up to elk season I ran three miles for 21 straight days leading up to elk season because I just felt that that's what's going to give me that edge. That was my training, just run as much as I can, lift as much as I can, five days a week. I committed to lifting five days a week, being at the gym, doing cardio. Most of my cardio was just running treadmill or running outside. Okay, so let's dive deeper because you're talking to the fitness guy here. Um, All right, man, so running every day you know i personally don't run very often uh, when i do it's usually some sort of interval aerobic anaerobic mix and i make sure it's real shitty but the the conditioning that i do is a lot of weightlifting conditioning where it's like cross training it's a little bit of crossfit it's a little bit of functional bodybuilding integrated blurry just no real distinctions but i definitely don't do like body part lifting like i'm doing chest today and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that i think it's better than nothing but running every day being young good good on you the older you get you can't really do that repetitive type stuff it's kind of want to push more of that cross training agenda just mix it up have you tried swimming before i have not good luck you should do it hop to your nearest pool do yourself 25 meters down and back see if you're still breathing and if you are, you should literally try swimming. That's a great total body recovery workout. Will wear you out, and it just mixes it up. Uh, have you ever stepped on the assault bike? Maybe. I have not. Oh my gosh, that's called the death bike. And then a uh, concept two rower or ski erg. Have you touched one of those? Uh, rower. I've done rowing. Yeah, yeah. So there's a variety of conditioning pieces. You don't have to run every day, but what about running with a backpack on? Or what did you do to get used to having? your camp on your back and be able to hunt really nothing man um i don't know why exactly i guess just being green i do 
you know, I do think, thinking back, I do think I did put like a plate, like a 45-pound plate in my backpack and then hit the incline on the treadmill. Yeah. But if I did that, that would have been maybe once or twice leading up to season, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, that's you. That's something where who who is going to be there to tell me that I needed to do that, I guess. So. Yeah, well, we'll do a hindsight session towards the end here on what you're going to do differently and, and stuff. Yeah. So, okay, so you got your gear, you got your tag. When did you leave? And by the way, I forgot to mention this. Your job's not sitting at a desk. You got a physical job. Yeah. yeah and, a, and so when did you work out? Before work? After work? Was it tough to get motivated knowing that you were going to pound nails and, and move heavy roofing all day? Like, when did you train? I train after work. So we usually got off work at around five. And just depends on the job where we're at, you know, get to the gym around seven lift for an hour and then run run or do cardio for 30 minutes so some really late nights and always after work so that's how i made it happen and if you didn't have an elk tag you probably wouldn't have been doing that that's so cool tell <laughs> tell us about your hunt when you left how long how much time you gave and how it went down so we left on august the 25th the opener Man, I don't remember the opener, what day it was exactly, but Colorado opens early. So we were there the first week that it opened. And I had committed to three weeks of hunting, if that's what it took. You know, I had planned this all year long. This is my vacation time. I'm going to go and kill an elk is what I was thinking. And as far as how it went, you know, day one, getting there, obviously go to Walmart, get your tag get your groceries. I mean, there's so much detail I could go into as far as everything is just, there's more to it than what you expect. But getting to the first trailhead, you know, seeing all those trailers and pickups, and it was just massively intimidating to see all the the people, you know, and that's where you were planning to go. Like, no, I'm not going in there. I'm Now we have to find a different spot, you know, right off the bat. And so that was a real confidence not boot obviously you know it took all my confidence away just right off the bat so we ended up finding an empty campsite we put our tent up and just went hunting and i do think the first day would have been like 28th of august hunting we saw a bear you know we got into some elk sign you know and uh the first week was really slow we did not hear any elk we did not see any elk and day six we moved camp so by the end of the first week hunting you know i had pretty much figured out hey this wasn't working out we've got to move so we moved and keep in mind we're we're making loops and coming back to the same spot every night so we're camped on the side of the road and you know driving gravel roads and making loops and blowing on a bugle tube that sounds about right um Okay, when it's time to move, it's time to move. How far did you drive? How ridiculous of a camp did you have? Like, how hard was it to pull pull, pull the strings and get and move on to the next location? It was pretty ridiculous. We had a tent from Walmart, Ozark Trail tent. You know, it. You know, it was definitely ridiculous. It took a while to take camp down, and we uh, drove back to town, got service. I found a new area and. It was about 30 minutes from the first spot, so so it was uh, it was tough, man. You know, I was just, I would like to say, you know, I going out elk hunting, especially in my situation, being out there alone, you know, my brother, he's younger than me, and my wife's just 
along. So I'm doing all the like brain work, you know, figuring this shit out. So uh, it was a lot of figuring out. And I found a new spot, pitched tent, tent that spot, and we hunted two days, no luck, got into some sign. I mean, at this point, we're hunting 12 to 13 days. We haven't seen an elk. We haven't heard an elk, you know, and it's just pretty discouraging at this point. And on day 14, my wife pokes me like I think it was two, three o'clock at night. She's like, was that a bugle? And we're just parked beside a main road. Keep that in mind, like not in the back country at all. And sure enough, there was an elk bugling like, you know, within hearing distance of the tent. And so that morning was the first bull elk I've ever seen in my life. Um, we huh. got up before daylight and headed the direction of the bugle and he was still ripping. He was still ripping and, but he shut up right at daylight and I just headed towards the direction I had heard him, made a few cow calls and he, you know, I think it was just pure luck running into him and he came by at 43 yards and I had a frontal shot, you know, through a small window of brush and I just was not confident with that shot so he took a few more steps and caught our wind and that was it man he was gone and it was uh that was the end of that no more elk at that point i was just jack you know seeing an elk i felt like that was a success that's what it's all about that is a huge success especially after almost two weeks (laughs) dude that what i mean that was like a timely little catalyst to be like you know what all right we got this like we can do this we're, we're not mm-hmm. packing our bags and going home okay so 12 days in how much time do you have left in your hunt like as far as uh, vacation about one more one more week seven more days and okay. we we knew that you know and and so the day after the bull encounter we decided i decided hey i'm gonna go back to that spot being having a mind whitetail mindset i'm like you know hey they might do the same thing tomorrow lo and behold we sneak down there right at daylight and we see a few elk and here comes a cow elk walking straight past us wind is good and a piece of advice for anybody going out elk hunting in colorado if you get a chance at a cow you need to shoot mm-hmm. and i you know i feel like the day before seeing that bull i was just i had too much confidence that hey i can do it now i was full draw that cow walked by at eight yards and I just let it walk. And the reason I say that I wish I would have shot, it would have gave me that pack out experience, you know, breaking down an elk, you know, say I would have had a, you know, made a good shot and I would have killed the animal. You know, I could have experienced what elk hunting is about, packing meat, you know, and the whole deal. And I let it walk. And that was my one opportunity of the whole trip. And then just let it go. Yeah. And, you know, I tell guys, man, if you haven't killed much at all with a bow, get reps in the red zone. And then when elk hunting, just work your way up the ladder. If you have never killed an elk, kill any illegal elk and get reps on breaking an elk down, packing an elk out and all that nonsense. It's really nice to start kind of building upon your foundation and you want that foundation to be really wide and really deep. Okay. You passed on a cow. Then what? So it would have had to been like three, four days after that, we actually got into more elk. At this point, you know, I still don't realize like elk like to be on benches. We got into this really steep area and instead of hitting a bench and then walking the bench, you know, 
because that's where the elk are. I just went straight to the bottom and, you know, across all these benches. And, you know, that's just stuff you learn. Like, I did, I just didn't know any better. So I felt like that day I walked past a lot of elk, probably. Uh, but anyway, that evening, we hear a bugle. The, the way the topography, topography was, it was kind of echoed off the side of a big drainage so we knew the general direction to go towards so we had towards and then it was like six o'clock at night you know getting dust and bull beagles on his own we had us just start running you know because it was getting dark and we knew it was a ways away and we were kind of in this creek bottom with uh, some open meadows so we were able to move pretty quickly we get get around this corner and i rip a bugle and this bull no kidding is like 150 yards away we can't see it because it's too thick obviously but he is just lit ball bugle and this is like very intense like the bugle we had heard from the tent was you know faint you know out in the distance it was nothing like interaction type bugling that you would like to have and so this bull was just right on top of us and i just remember like my hair standing on end and just getting goosebumps and like I mean, that bull made me feel like he wanted to come down and eat me. You know, this is the first experience I've had with a bull elk. And, and he's hot. Oh, he's hot, you know. And and that's the moment when I got addicted to elk hunting. I, like, I, I, that was that was it. I had to have more of that. And so we did. We weren't able to call that bull in. Um, I think I boogled back, you know, two times, and he responded. And then all of a sudden, just like like a switch flipped, he was head in the other direction and he was gone and the topography was, was so steep there was just no way we could keep up well man one thing you said about learning how to navigate better in the mountains and kind of combing through benches it's a matter of figuring out elk trails and then the elk will kind of show you how to travel about the country when mm -hmm. i first started i was down and up and down and up finger ridge main ridge mm -hmm. I didn't even understand how to read a topography map, let alone to stay on elk trails. And a lot of times I'd, I'd see an elk trail and I'd be like, man, that is not, that's not going the right direction. Mm -hmm. But once you get on it and you start following it, it's the easiest, it's the like the yeah. path of least resistance. They know how to navigate. So that's cool that you can, looking back, you can see that. We'll wrap up the end of your hunt because I know some good stuff is down the road here for you. Yeah. So, okay, real quickly. That was kind of the end of that area. We had five days left. We head south an hour and a half. And by this point, we're so far south, we're close to the Mexico line. And we had five days to hunt this brand new area. And uh, we actually jumped a bull, a nice six by six. I'm not kidding you. 0.5 miles on my Onyx map from the spot we pitched our tent. We were literally talking like, you know, I remember me and Scott like talking like conversation like this area sucks, you know, it's oak brush. We, this is totally new country and boom, you know, 20 yards later, there's a big giant elk and he was bedded there. And so we ran into elk and that day I actually had a bear at 20 yards. I didn't have a bear tag, which was a big mistake. And that was pretty much the first day was very eventful. And the next four days, you know, I think we saw a cow maybe. So, and then that was it. We we headed home. Okay, so you spent three weeks in Colorado. You moved camp three different times. You learned some yep. lessons. You passed on a cow. You yep. had your wife with you and your brother? Yep. Cool. 
you head home. Is that the end of your season? That's the end of my season, and I was heartbroken. I I was beside myself, you know, knowing I had a few chances. What could I have done different? And I'm telling you, man, I got on YouTube and I pounded Elk Nut uh, Outdoors. Everything he had on YouTube, I I was determined that next year I'm going to kill an elk. And just you know, all year long, you just it's not like you can go to college and learn how to kill an elk. You just got to get online and find contact like content like you, somebody like you, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's pretty much the next summer. I, I'm buying points in Wyoming. I, you know, I learned all about that and buying points and, you know, wherever I can get my hand on any opportunity, I'm all into that. So going into 2019 this year, I drew the Wyoming tag and that draw was it late January when the results came out early February yep yep and man I was just pumped so my whole summer was you know I knew where I was going and pretty much had the same workout routine and and you know not packing an elk out was probably why I kept the same routine because I felt like I did pretty well you know this year obviously packing an elk out I I got my ass handed to me for sure yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, you drew a general Wyoming tag. Yep, yep. Did you drew put in for the special, or did you do a regular? I did the special. Don't like the way they set that up, but I felt like if I had a better chance, I would. I'll go for it. Yeah, no, you're gonna pay for it. But yeah, that's great. So, was that your only tag for 2019? Was Wyoming general? Uh, my wife actually had an over-the-counter Idaho tag, so so we we committed more to her hunt, I would say, than my hunt. But also at the same time, I knew that if I needed to or wanted to or had the time, I could go back in October and hunt the whole month of October in Wyoming. So Yeah, I love that, how they have that set up. Okay, yeah. so let's get to Wyoming, brother. So we headed to Wyoming September 8th, and, you know, it's pretty difficult picking a unit. It's 53 different units that you can go to with the general tag, and I I – I got to break it to you, man. I did not have a spot picked out seven days before I left the house. I was just like, man, where am I going to go? I had a few areas in mind, and I ended up picking this one spot. And So we had out the 8th. I think September 9th was when we got to camp. Around noon, we set up camp, you know, kind of the same plan as last year, set up a base camp and drive around. This year, I was committed and determined, you know, this, this year I'm going to hunt a different spot every single day. And I had picked this spot up out that I knew that if I could hike to the top, I could glass. And we hiked to the, it was a thousand feet up, you know, and after driving for two days, it, we figured out pretty fast, you know, that that wasn't the best idea for the first afternoon. But so we get to the top and we glass for a couple hours and it was, sun was starting to go down. And I was thinking, man, you, you know, pick, pick the wrong spot. To look for elk, and that's when everything changed, man. I elk just started to pop out of little meadows, and we glassed up around thirty elk from about five till dark. It was unbelievable. A little different than Colorado, huh? Oh my goodness! It was it was almost too good because you know I just wanted to see one elk, and now there's like okay, there's an elk here. There was a bull over here. There was a bull and eight cows over here. Like, where do you go the next morning in this situation? Like, I was a little bit confused. Like, well, how do I, you know, hunt this? And I just kind of made up my mind, hey, I'm going to come back here tomorrow morning and 
I'm just going to bugle, like, whichever one wants to play, that's where I'm yeah, going. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Whichever, whoever wants to play ball, let's do this. Yeah, and that's what we ended up doing. We we have a video on uh, YouTube, actually, and if you go watch that, you can kind of, our day one was, we had three call-ins in bow range and probably heard over 50 bugles, for sure. Unbelievable is the word for it. I was overwhelmed. Uh <laughs> The first, so I need to talk about my first calling because that was the first elk, bull elk I've had, you know, in bow range. I hear these elk from the trailhead. The trailhead's at 9,200 and it's just one giant basin that I felt like was full of elk. And luckily there was no hunters at the trailhead. You know, we saw a bunch of hunters down low. This was up at 9,200 feet and nobody around. I felt like I had the area to myself. And so here we go. Obviously, I had a cow call. I used the make it a bull crazy Primos cow call. Dude, man, bulls just, every time I would cow call, they would just, one or two of them would rip off. So that's kind of why I stuck to the cow call the whole day. It was just, it just seemed like it was working. Yeah. And so we're at the trailhead, whatever time daylight is. I think it was around 6 o'clock. And we're heading down the mountain a ways. And I think, you know, looking back now, the elk would have, been feeding up high and we just kind of kept following them following them following the bugles and about 8 30 we caught up to the first elk that was close to us and you know my my setup was terrible i would say um, <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know hey it's I'm, I'm a greenhorn and i'm willing to learn and that's what happened so so this bull came into to the cow calls he came into 13 yards and i was at full draw i don't think that he i know he didn't smell us i think he caught my elbow moving because i remember being at full draw and just looking down at my elbow and it was just bobbing like crazy like i was shaking so bad that he caught me shaking through the brush and busted he busted but you know he a minute later he let out another bugle and it was just crazy you know and I just thought, man, if he's still going to be bugling back, I'll I'll keep cow calling. And sure enough, he just like it had never happened. He just kept on bugling at us, and so we bomb off down the mountain. And this was like, if you check out the video, this was like on the side of just. I mean, the slope was ninety degrees, if, or or worse. You know, it was just straight up and down. And this bull was like at the bottom there's a creek growing between us and him and I, there's i was just sitting there thinking like there's no way he's going to cross that creek and come straight up at us and he did that's what he did again you know he came into 23 yards and i just this time i was like dude i'm killing this elk there's no way i'm going to mess this one up i dropped my pack i get into position and i should have stayed where my brother was standing which was where he was filming at my brother if you look at the video he has a perfect broadside shot at the elk at 50 or just under 50 yards straight downhill and i had snuck up because there was a cow there was a elk trail going down the side of the mountain and i thought you know what he's gonna he's there's no way he's gonna come up straight up the side of this hill he'll come up this trail and so I head down the elk trail because I was going to intercept him coming up to where my wife was cow calling. Well, it turns out he did exactly what I didn't plan he would do, and he busted me through some brush at 23 yards. Had I just stayed where the camera guy was standing, I would have 
got a good opportunity, I feel like. Right. Well. You know, be aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive. That's what I was telling myself. And it did not go in my favor that time. Yeah, I feel you. So that's your first day. Yeah. I mean, oh. this is like, at, at this point, it's like 9 o'clock on my first day elk hunting in Wyoming. And I already had this bull two times in Bowering. Dude, that's a good that's a good start. It's got to give you some confidence. And well, I, I got to be honest with you. Going through last year, I felt like, you know, that could have been my chance for the year. Yes. And I was bummed out. I was bummed out big time. What I did next, we kept hiking. You know, I don't think we heard another elk till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, of course, rainstorms hit. It hailed. It sleeted. It was cold, upper 30s, lower 30s. It was in the 30s. And we made a campfire, tried to stay warm, stay dry. Boom, two bugles while we were sitting at a campfire. We hear these elk, two different elk. And we're like, hey, we better put this fire out and start hunting again. <laughs> and it was still raining, so that was the reason for the campfire. But So that evening, 5 o'clock, 5, 6 o'clock, we got into more elk. So there, there was this meadow... I would say maybe three, four hundred yards long, like a strip that you could see from the bottom to the top. I got kind of got caught up, you know. I talking back and forth with these elk, you know. I would I would bugle, they would respond to sometimes three different bulls, and I was kind of like, okay, where do I go now? And I just got caught napping really, and this elk just in the wide opens coming straight at me, you know. I, I had an arrow knocked. I was. I was, I felt like in a good spot, but turns out I wasn't again. This bull was a nice bull. He was a five point. He had good fronts. He, he looked, you know, at that point he looked like a giant and he came, comes into 70 yards, nothing in between me and him. And he spots me at 70 yards. I had ranged a uh, log that was out in the field. So I knew he was at 70. He catches me moving sees me i don't know what but he saw me so he just stands there for what seemed like forever he spins a circle he barks at me and at this point you know i'm thinking hey am i gonna do this i practice all the time out to 100 yards you know and i'm confident in the shot i just you know do i take the shot do i not and so i just decide you know in the spur of the moment i'm gonna do this and i felt good about it I draw back, I settle my pin, and, you know, I was, I felt steady, I felt good, and I, I let her rip, and it just sailed right underneath his belly. I think I was, I was good back and forth, but I just, I missed him. Clean mess. Yeah, but you got your first shot at a bull, dude. Day one. Day one. For sure. So he, bust, he busts out, and I, at this point, am mentally, physically, I am out of it. Like I just wanna, I just wanna go to the truck. Like I'm just heartbroken. I, I'm just, it's rough, man. Like this is my third chance for the day, and I just missed him. Like I felt like at that point I needed to go back to the truck and maybe hunt next year, you know, and just like what, what's going on, you know? And and my brother standing there just looking at me weird, like what are you doing, man? There's an elk bugling right up the hill. Like, I, and I, I remember like looking at him like what? You know, and pretty soon, you know, we hear this elk and all right, game on. Here we go. You know, we, we ended up seeing the elk, um, but we just, you know, that time we, 
I think the closest he got was 80 yards, you know, and didn't get another opportunity. And those elk took us on a ride. We we were at that point eight miles from the car from the trailhead, and it was getting dark. Yeah, man. So I guess I didn't think about that, but there's like that panic where you're like, okay, I just blew the only. That's gonna be the only opportunity I get, and I just screwed that up. And you just kind of put your head down, and you kind of like doubt yourself. Like there's definitely some emotions and stuff. I think you'll get better at mitigating that, knowing that okay, it just takes it just takes literally an awesome ten seconds, and you can be tagged out anytime. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you just got to know that and believe mm-hmm. that till you have no more time to hunt. So were you guys able to get it done on that archery hunt? We were. Um, that that day took a lot out of us. The next day it was pouring down rain. And we did not go hunting. Our clothes were soaked. Everything was soaked. I did not have any backup boots, you know, to put on. And so we ended up going into town, going to the dry cleaner and drying out our clothes. And day three, we hunted a whole different area. And I am not kidding. We parked the car. I got out. I let out a bugle. And when you know it, here's a bull going right off the road. (laughs) <laughs> and we got that bull into 30 yards we never saw him he winded us but you know it was an awesome call in you know i had good interaction with him and and so that same day we got into another elk in the afternoon we called him in you know under 100 yards i felt like and for whatever reason i think he winded us too and so that was day three you know getting into more elk and day four was of my last day and and I remember sleeping, or before I went to sleep, thinking, you know, hey, do do I go back in this area where I had all these elk going on day one, or do I try to find a new spot? And we go back to the same spot that we had been on day one, and pretty much same story, you know, getting getting to the trailhead, heard an elk going right out the gate, followed it down the mountain, kind of the same, you know, pretty much the same thing as day one, you know, because... I felt like these elk at this point were feeding up high and they were going down, crossing the creek bottom, and then, you know, they had a place that they wanted to go. See, we did three miles before we actually felt like, you know, we were close enough to tell, okay, these elk are in this general direction, and okay, here's the plan, you know. they, they At that point, they were too far away to kind of make a plan as far as how we're going to set up, how we're going to call these elk in. And so we're on day four, 10 o'clock, you know, we can still hear the elk going we're getting closer to 11 at this point you know we had been hiking as hard as we could elk was just all always just out in front of us out in front of us out in front of us we get to about 11 o'clock and everything shuts up you know nothing and we had never gotten close enough to these elk to know you know what do we do now so that was uh really tough knowing you know midday you know you hear trent and Corey say like midday madness well it was quite the opposite i felt like and so got my whitetail instincts going and be quiet don't make any noise try to get as close as you can and that didn't work it didn't work you know i cow called tried to figure out where did these where are these elk bedded you know i i knew they had to be close and we just kept inching forward inching forward quietly and i would bugle you know every now and then and just just absolutely nothing. Soon after 11 o'clock, I uh, tell my brother, like, let's just take a nap. Like, let's wet these elk out. But I said, or 
we can go about 50 yards further and let out one more bugle and maybe, you know, see what happens. And I remember him saying, like, well, you know, I, I know one thing's for sure, nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> and so that's what we did. We go another 50 yards, and I remember just bugling as loud as I possibly could. And this bull, like, hammers back right over the top of me under 200 yards for sure he had to been closed at that point you know i going through day one and day three you know having call-ins i felt calm i felt relaxed i felt way better way more experienced like okay let's do the right thing here let's get in position let's check the wind what's my setup where's the elk going to come you know I, I thought all these things and you know the first couple days having those encounters you just can't mimic or not mimic but you can't like train for that like you have to get out there and have encounters in order to gain that experience you have to go through that and that's a fact yep that helped me a ton i felt like and this bull he he just had a different bugle man like he he would bugle and then he would almost like two bugles in a row like i i'm not smart on what elk are saying you know like hey i know what a lip ball sounds like i'm not educated you know on what what's a roundup bugle location bugle all that i just knew that this bull was pissed off and so i just you know did what i felt like i needed to do i got in position in front of a tree you know and we were kind of set up in a meadow to where i knew hey he was gonna have to come out here to see who and what I am. And so I, I'm, so keep in mind, I'm caller plus shooter. So there's not this guy 50 yards behind me calling to pull the elk past me. So I turn around and I get a glimpse of him at 60, 70 yards. I didn't range it, but that's kind of what I estimated. And he's just standing there raking a tree. And then he pops his head up and he's looking in my direction. And so that's when I decided, okay, I better make, you know, one more bugle, let him know, hey, I'm still out here. So I turn around, bugle behind me, and he just hammers back again. And he was coming, man. He was pissed, and he was coming. I just remember thinking, you know, stay calm, stay calm. You got this, you got this. And it's intimidating, you know. You <laughs> there's Here's an elk, here's a moment. It's, it's pressure like I've never felt before to be honest, you know, and I didn't see his antlers. I didn't know what size this elk was. I just knew, hey, that's a bull. He's coming in. And he walked all the way in to 21 yards. I'm at full draw. He steps out. And it was a, it was a tough shot, man. Like, he was walking, and he didn't, he never, like, stopped to present, like, a good standing still broadside shot. But I was at full draw. I came to anchor. This was all before he stepped out. And as soon as he stepped out, I just held frontal because I knew, you know, hey, if he's going to keep walking towards me, he's going to come up to like six yards. And I'm just going to, you know, shoot him frontal six yards, you know. And so I held frontal. He picks me off mid-stride. He whirls around. And I just kind of let my instincts go, you know. I just, I don't know what really happened. I just pulled the trigger and poof you know perfect hit right behind the shoulder big uh and, big herd bull oh my gosh dude it was a i i had no clue you know what size elk this was gonna be but i just knew he was a six point he had good backs 
like I knew like dude that was a good bull he he went about 100 yards we we gave him about 10 minutes I'll admit that we did not <laughs> wait long enough <laughs> we gave him like uh 10 minutes and yeah okay so I love your honesty get, yes <laughs> we we get on the elk trail we did we did look at the footage um you know my brother told me I think you smoked him and I was like dude you think so um I was bugged just because my arrow didn't get full penetration, but I did know that I was in the vitals. Like, that was money. And so I felt like, you know, hey, I got to, I just couldn't help myself really. And so we start trailing blood and then we had good blood. You know, I never had to bend over and like look for spots. It was good blood. And we walked right up to him 10 minutes after I shot him. Done. You didn't hear him crash. You just went right to we, him. No, we did not hear him crash. He went about a hundred yards, and that's where he was laying. Wow. What what a feeling. What an accomplishment. I'm proud of you, man. Um, I know your wife had a tag and she got a bull. We don't have a lot of time to go over that. But what I do want to do, Trey, you're 24 years young. I kind of want to go through a little bit more of like your gear setup. I got a couple of specific questions. Rapid fire, let's keep this fast-paced, and let's see what we can do and get through as much of this as possible. Number one, going into 2020, what are you going to do differently physically after packing out an elk finally? Dude, I am going to pack weight on my back and train with my pack weighted down. There's no, I mean, I don't even know where to begin as far as when you put a quarter of an elk on your back, just just the weight. Like, you you. It's just like nothing I've ever experienced as far as just physically demanding. And so that's the biggest thing, train to pack elk. That means you got to kill elk to pack elk. I dig it. Uh, Backpack hunting. Did you guys step outside your comfort zone and do any bivy hunting? We did in Idaho. Okay. Um, Going into that, what did you do for a water system? I had a two-liter just bladder from Walmart, to be honest with you. Okay. And then, okay, as far as water system, I have the, uh, I run what Randy Newberg runs. That's about the best I can Does tell you right now. Does he use a Sawyer filter? No. A gravity well, fed? Yeah, it's gravity fed. And then it's like, yeah, you just fill it up with water and it gravity flows out. So that's what I did. Okay, cool. Uh, what did you use for a broadhead this year on your Wyoming bull? Ooh, you're not going to like this no, one. No, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it, you little East Coaster. Uh, These aren't whitetail. I know, I know, and we need to talk on that for sure because, you know, I don't want to be using something that's not ethical for sure not, but I had a rage, and it's the rage no collar. What are you going to go to for 2020? I do not know. Cool. I'm undecided. Watch your uh, Born and Raised guys. They did a whole test series on broadheads, and then there's actually some other videos out there that weight their tests differently. Um, I've seen several. You know, do, do you figure out what you can afford. Obviously, I can tell you, I like Grim Reaper broadheads. They make mechanicals. I don't use those. I use their fixed Hades series. And I've killed a lot of animals with them. And they're, and they're pretty sharp out of the package. Be careful. But I've used some other good ones out there too, like um, uh, Iron Wheels. And uh, I've used a lot of different shuttle tees. The list goes on and on. But I like a fixed broadhead. I like to promote that. And I, I always err on the side of like, hey, guys, Remember who you're dealing with. Like I'm a really passionate, super serious guy when it comes to elk hunting. So mm-hmm. I may come across as like, it's my way or the highway, and that's not true. I'm just saying I've I've learned some tough lessons. I think if you make a mistake and there's margin of error, a fix can maybe help you out a little bit, whereas a mechanical or expandable won't help you yeah. when you make a mistake. So, anyways, um, all right, so 
you you still got the um, RX one? Yep, I do. Okay, and what what kind of arrows are you using? What's the uh, spine or the weight specifically? If you know, I have John Dudley's five millimeter axis, and they are the four hundred spine. Yeah, the Easton Full Metal Jacket five millimeter, great choice. And then, um, do you fletch your own arrows? I did last year. I did not this year. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, when it comes to navigating and all that kind of stuff, I'm assuming you have some sort of Garmin or Onyx on you. We didn't get into that, but what are you using for navigation? Onyx. Yeah. Yeah. So did you get some reps looking at topography while hunting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did that kind of start to make sense the more you ran tracking and kind of learned your steps and where you were going and what you were seeing? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, marking waypoints helps. And then going back and looking at your waypoints, like, hey, where where did you see elk? And then what can you find in common, you know, with where you find an elk? And absolutely, I learned a ton this year as far as where elk like to be. And it all came from just, you know, being in the field. I think that's cool. Bring them, bringing up that point, reverse engineer your elk hunting season. Go look at where your tracks, your points, mm-hmm. where the elk were. And put it all together, and you're going to start seeing some sort of pattern, and then you can take that with you when you start e-scouting, which is awesome, man. Editing your video for YouTube. Who did the editing? I'm assuming your brother? Yep. He's all into that. He is. I am going to get your link on the show notes so people can check it out, and uh, I'll do an Insta story and a swipe up deal so we can get people to see it. I haven't seen it. We'll check that out. So we talked about your fitness. Let's talk about your marriage, man. So your wife is into hunting, and she killed an elk. A bull, she, an Idaho she did. bull, right? An Idaho bull, yes, yes. What's that like having a wife that hunts too? You know, I know it's probably a double-edged sword, like you got to share hunting time, but how cool is that that she wants to get out there, man? Dude, it is the best. I mean, I would not, I would, seeing and watching her kill that elk was by far the best moment of, you know, my season, way more than mine. You know, mine, my kill was, you know, great in itself but having a wife that hunts it's uh financially definitely a different (laughs) a different animal but it's awesome man i would not trade it for anything it's getting you know getting to watch her go and be successful was the best man definitely so what'd you use for bugle tube and reeds uh phelps i used the phelps pitch black number three this year and that was Man, that's I can't I can't blow the uh, Rocky Mountain hunting calls elk one one. I just the diaphragm doesn't fit my mouth and Phelps the green man definitely. So you um did you have an inreach or what did you do for communication in the backcountry? I had an inreach. Awesome, yeah. I I just got one this year too. I've never had one and it's a game changer. Shooting. What's your release of choice? Spot hog. Uh... Man, I'm terrible with gear. I have the Spot Hog Cameron Haynes. That's a wise boat. guy. Wise guy, yes. Copy that. All right. You said first light a little bit, some Walmart camo. Uh, yeah. You were running fat tires. Are you going to upgrade to some boots this year? Oh, my gosh. Yes. They were terrible this year. Did you have gaiters? I did have gaiters, but, you know, Idaho whipped our ass. I mean, it was just a brain for us, and you got to have – better boots than what i had we it it mentally got to me yeah having wet feet all the time i have to upgrade boots for sure and they don't dry out man like you got wet feet like 
cool. Start a fire. Try it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna dry your boots out. Uh, no. I actually pack a boot dryer in my truck and a generator when I go on oh. out of state hunts. Mm-hmm. And I, I always carry two boots too. But I'm just boots do not dry out. I don't care how good they are. So find boots that are not going to get wet and take good care of them. Did you guys use trekking poles? Yes, I would not do without them. That's great. And then when it came to like your XO, did you have the bladder in the XO? I'm assuming yep. that's the water system you ran? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Kill kit wise, what'd you use for, I, I just, I'm so curious as to a guy who's never elk hunted, like what you picked up along the way. What'd you use for game bags? Uh, The tag bomb, boned out meat bag bags. Are you familiar with those? Uh, they're, called, of, they're called tag bags. So. Yeah, tag bags. Yep, that guy's yep. out of Alaska, that redheaded yep. guy. Okay, yep. forgot yep. his name. But yeah, okay. And then what'd you use for knives? Uh, I have a Gerber Vital, and then I have the uh, Ozark Trail replaceable blade knife. Optics. I have the 10 by 50s but it's super tough uh, finding a vinyl harness that fits that size. So... If I had to rebuy them, I would get the 10 by 42s but I'm just running 10 by 50s and we did not have a spotter. But it looked like you had a Tacoma or a 4Runner. 4Runner. Yeah. Okay, I'm a Toyota guy. Uh, and you were pulling um, an enclosed trailer? Yep. How big Must is that? Have. It's a 6 by 12 It's not very big at all, but for me, that last year, my I had a Chevy truck and it was just jam-packed full was not cool, man. So this year I was like, I'm buying a trailer. That's where I'm at. I'm actually looking at trailers right now. Now, do, what's your towing capacity on that 4Runner? I don't know, man. Mine's no not very much. I got a 17 Tacoma uh-huh. uh, TRD Sport, and um, my wife has a Tundra. Her truck's bigger than mine. But yeah. uh, I love that truck for hunting. That's why I got it. I went from uh-huh. a big Ram diesel 2500 to that. And I was checking out uh, enclosed trailers for exactly what you said. Like, I just went on a trip to the Dakotas with two other guys, and we took a full size F one fifty. And there was like the guy in the back had like <laughs> no room to even like yeah breathe. And I was just like, man, if we had taken, we talked about taking my truck, it wouldn't have happened. I even have a roof basket; it would not have happened. We had too much gear, so I, I got to get an enclosed trailer. So you said six by twelve is yours double axle. It is double axle, and I would recommend that just because if you have a blowout or any axle problems, you still have one good one left. Yeah, no doubt. And then you, do you know how much that thing weighs? I don't, man. Could you sleep in that if you wanted to? Oh, man, we did. We slept in it every single night. We slept in it at Walmart parking lot, and yes, we did sleep in it. Did you modify it or add any cots or beds to it, or did you just throw a cot down, or how'd you do it? Uh, We just throwed our uh, sleeping pads down and sleeping bags but i think this year this summer that's one of my on my to-do list is kind of modify it a little bit and make it functional and it's going to be our little camper i love it i think that's the route i'm going to i peeped that and i was like man that's cool trey hostetler from from yep. arkansas originally lives in yep. missouri kills Absolutely. elk <laughs> runs lifts and hunts um what else can i tell people about you man i appreciate you coming on is there anything that you need to plug or anything you want to say before we call this an episode? No, man. I just appreciate you having me on. And I would like to say bring a camp to Missouri, man. Okay. Help me get that <laughs> straight away. i tell you what, hey. man. We're doing six in 2020. And I'm trying not to be gone that much from my family because I'm already gone a lot hunting. But uh, we, the furthest we're going this year is Texas and Wisconsin and Colorado. That's a long ways for me. That's like airplane stuff. But... 
I already got a camp in mind for 2021, PA. Mm-hmm. And I got a camp in 2021, Missouri. And you're going to help me put oh, that together. You find will, me man. the best archery shop around with the best owner and the most knowledgeable technical archery owner. That's your job. And then we'll fill it. Well, I just need a place to functional gym, like a CrossFit gym or something nearby. So you find those for me. You got my email. You send me that and we'll get it planned. We'll get it on the books. Hey, man. Sounds like an awesome plan. I already got three spots taken if you bring it out here, man. Done deal, brother. All right. All right, guys, that's an episode. Trace down the line. If you guys want to check out his YouTube video, the the link will be in the show notes. I will also put it on Insta, and I can't wait to watch it. I haven't seen it myself. I will do you a favor, Trey. I'm going to watch it on my TV upstairs, so I'm expecting it to be pretty good. Sweet, man. um, I just think that you remind me of myself. uh, at At age 24, I only killed one bull, and I had three tag soup seasons. And I was coming up on the season that would change the direction of my life. Elk hunting gave me a purpose. It gave me a why. It added a lot of value. And to this day, I'm not sure I would be as driven or focused if it wouldn't be for elk hunting. So I'm really excited for your future. Tell your wife hello for me. And uh, we'll get everybody to follow you on Instagram. Keep pumping out that great content. Thanks, man. Hey, elk hunters. Corey Jacobson here from elk101.com. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about elk hunting every day of the year and working continually to maximize your chances for success this fall. Well, Dan and I have created a special opportunity for you that I feel will absolutely take you to the next level in elk hunting, regardless of your previous experience. Three years ago, I created the University of Elk Hunting online course with one goal in mind, to make you a more successful elk hunter. The UEH online course contains 45 chapters of detailed elk hunting information organized into 17 modules and covering every imaginable elk hunting topic, from planning and scouting to calling tactics and tracking and every topic in between. The University of Elk Hunting online course is the most comprehensive and complete resource available to elk hunters. And for listeners of the Elk Shape podcast, Dan and I have teamed up to offer you a 20% discount when you sign up. Simply go to elk101.com, click the link to the online course, and use the code ELKSHAPE, all one word, when you check out. You owe it to yourself to invest in the single most lethal weapon that you take to the elk woods each fall. Invest in you. Sign up for the University of Elk Hunting online course and elevate your elk hunting success today. And that's a wrap, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. We have our 100th episode coming up next week, according to iTunes. So we'll make sure that's a good one. And I know that uh, this week is like kind of that week where Thanksgiving's around the corner, getting together with family and food and football and friends. And I don't care. You still need to get your workouts in. You still don't have to eat like an a-hole. You can have some moderation. You can reward yourself a little. You can live a little, but not a lot. You need to stay focused, stay on the warpath towards discipline, stay driven, get your workouts in, shoot your weapon, get your scouting in, do your research, and keep your eyes on the prize, that delayed gratification. It happens during the holidays as well. I'm stoked because we got late season whitetail opening up for archery here in Washington. And then I actually have a few days in Idaho for late, late season archery elk. I'm going to go give it hell 
and I'll let you guys know how that goes. And then we'll probably go over some late season elk tactics after I do that hunt and uh, keep you guys informed in the note. If you guys got an awesome public land blue collar guest that you think should be on this, reach out to me via email or Instagram, elkshape at gmail.com or at elkshape on Instagram, and we will get them on here. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Take care. Thank you.